1995. Houston, we have a problem. Golden Eye! What's in the f***ing box? That'll do, pig. That'll do. You are a big black bat. And they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Swayze, he's been a heartthrob and a hero. But these tough guys are about to face the most physically challenging roles of their career. Let's give it to him, girl. Meet Vita Boem. Enchanté. Miss Noxima Jackson. Jesse's daughter. And their protege, Chichi Rodriguez. I'm the Latino Marilyn Monroe. They were headed for Hollywood, but along the way, they had an unexpected stop. You know what you career girls want? Please, no. No. <laughs> No, I can't Now, they're stranded in a strange land. Well, ladies, welcome to Snydersville. And before they leave... Do you like my nails? They may turn this town from drab to utterly, utterly fabulous. Universal Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present... How do I look? Like the Miami sound machine just exploded all over you. To Wong Fu, thanks for everything. Julie Newmar. Welcome to another episode of Quantum Recast. I'm your host, Corey, and with me, as always, are my two handsome co-hosts, Nick and Tanner. Oh, my God. Thank you. Hello. Yeah, Hi. i throw you guys a compliment there. Well, if this is your first time listening, uh, what we are is a theoretical film podcast. And what that means is we like to posit the question of what a movie might look like in a completely different release year. Um, and so if you've clicked on this, you know that we've taken 1995's To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. That will, from here on out, just be called To Wong Fu. Thank uh, you. For, for brevity yes, purposes. Yes. <laughs> so um, out of 1995, we've thrown it in the time machine and we've taken it 15 years into the future to see what it would look like in 2010. But before we do that, uh, we would just like to invite you that we are on all major social media platforms. Um, you can hop on any of those we're there we'll engage with you sometimes we'll ask you controversial things like your top five favorite witches and you will get a lot of hate dms for saying jareth <laughs> the Bob goblin king is a witch at a rough week totally counts yeah that's how i feel but whatever um and then if you just really want to go the extra mile you can go over to patreon.com slash quantum recast where you can subscribe there on different tiers for different perks um including bonus episodes and uh getting to pick movies and things of that nature and then if you want to uh, invest in the podcast uh, and, and help us out, help us to grow. All money goes right back into this thing so we can keep doing it. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash quantum recast and you can even donate there. Yeah. All right. So let's dive into this week's movie to Wong Fu, uh, um, which is actually a Patreon pick. Um, our uh, Patreon subscriber, Derek George, uh, they chose this film, and so we are going to dive into it. They chose the year as well, so um, this is kind of fun. We actually uh, 
kind of going in uh, semi-blind. I hadn't seen the movie in a really long time. Never watched it myself. So, yeah. Same. It's kind of fun and interesting because normally we pick movies that are kind of in the back of our heads. And then it's mm-hmm. interesting when another person's like, do this. And you're like, oh, cool. That was not on my radar. Totally thrown off balance. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, cool. I have to do some stretches and like get ready for this one. Limber up for this one. Mm-hmm. All right. So Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything. Julie Newmar, one of the longest movie titles in existence, was released on September 8th, 1995, written by Douglas Carter Bean and directed by Beben Kidrum. So, Beben? Yeah. Did I say, what did I say? No, you said Beben. I was questioning that as a name. Oh, no, it's Beben Kidrum. What an incredible name. Female director, because no male director would touch it. Uh, in 1995. Fascinating. So I actually did do a little research that I'd like to share on this film, like because it's Please actually do. released by Amblin Entertainment, which is Spielberg. Right. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, so apparently uh, when this uh, script was got making the rounds, uh, it didn't go to Amblin, but uh, an openly gay staffer at Amblin Entertainment knew the script existed and like really wanted to read it. He was a spec script reader, hmm. you know, smart and. Um, his name was Mitchell Cohn, and uh, he just was really interested in the idea of a movie about three drag queens on a road trip. And so he pulled some strings at Amblin and said, have it sent to us, even though people were saying Spielberg Studio is not going to make a movie about three gay guys on a road trip. And yeah. so uh, but they read it. And this person essentially said, I'm going to send this up the ladder. Spielberg read it in everyone's like again sitting there concentrating on the sexuality of the main characters and like it never even landed on spielberg's radar he was more like this movie's hilarious but (laughs) and this is no this is the fascinating thing he's like but i'm not necessarily like the best uh uh, i guess a standard for comedy so he's like sometimes i read things that are funny to me but not everyone else so he's like i'm gonna send this to robin williams apparently robin williams is the test who read the script and immediately like mm. sent message back to Spielberg? It says, "No, no, no, this is funny. Make it." <laughs> That's hilarious. I love, I love that That's someone's amazing. got like a comedy consult that is Robin Williams, and it's like, "Hey, I think this is funny. Can you just, just make sure that this is funny?" I'm, I'm just imagining I'm at the crazy. time Spielberg yeah. was knee deep in Nazis, like for Schindler's List. So he's like, "I'm in a weird yeah. place. I don't even know if this is actually funny." And then Robin Williams, who makes a cameo in the movie. Uh, was like, no, no, this is hilarious. Make this. Um, And it actually led to a lot of people at Amblin Entertainment coming out of the closet. They're like, they thought, whoa, there's this transition happening. That's cool. This feels safe. It doesn't bug Spielberg. There's a pretty good article by the guy, Mitchell Cohn, who wrote like the impact that this movie getting picked up by Amblin had on Amblin. And so uh, Hmm. I thought that was neat. So that is very interesting. So, to yeah. Wong Fu, what we need to do now is understand uh, how it was receptive, which means we need to go to useless critic stats. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, bum, 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 bum. Here we go. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Um, useless critic stats. IMDb has this movie at a 6.6. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a whopping 34 out of 100, while the audience score was 71 out of 100. Metacritic gave it a 60. And their audience score was a 7.9. So audiences love this movie twofold more than yeah. critics did. Wow. Uh, and Ebert gave it 2.5 stars. 
very middle of the road for him. Come on, yeah. Ebert. He had a good time, but you know, he didn't. It didn't change him. So yeah, I get yeah. It. All right. Um. Yeah. No. No. I. I was looking at that. I also noticed that I was like, okay, people love this movie. I guess if you have a critical eye, then yeah, I guess uh, yeah. they don't love it. Whatever. Essentially, like the consensus from a lot of critics that I read was like, it's too timid and it's like predictable, but it's got noble aims and they're trying to celebrate something, but they just don't pick a lane. Well, I think in context of the when the movie came out, sure, the story might be something that people have seen before, but the idea that there's this movie that's fronted by like two of the biggest action stars of the time and they're mm-hmm. playing drag queens and i mean and stay- john leguizamo who was in carlito's way just a couple of years before so yes. they all have like this very manly rugged like mm-hmm. macho because really it's, it's that's what makes it really stand out more more so than the storyline because we we've seen stories like this where character wanders into town changes the town the town say, yeah. helps them you know but I think that was the thing that made it stand out the most at that period of time. Well, all I know is Linguizamo was on like he just came off the Mario movie. He had to do something special. <laughs> oh, my he God. <laughs> so, he was in dire straits. <laughs> yeah. He's like, the next one's got to be a home run. And he really brings it in this movie, um, <laughs> which I absolutely love John Linguizamo in this movie. Um, so yeah. uh so since this is a Patreon pick, this is normally where we would ask why the director chose the film. So Derek, uh, they sent us uh, the reasoning for uh, choosing this. So I'm going to read that off. They write, the appeal of Tu Wong Fu outside the queer community was the draw of the Times action stars. Seeing A-list hyper-masculine idols in drag was likely very reminiscent of the small-town pep rally switch of the starting lineup in cheer uniforms for, like, homecoming. Mm -hmm. It gave a male audience freedom to register Mm. their feminine half under the guise of comedy. What comes out of the film is some truly stellar performances investing in their gender expression and permission for its audience to do the same. Putting the film's casting in the 2010s, when the new titans of action, the Marvel Cinematic Universe getting underway, begins production and the worldwide fame creates the sentiment anew and challenges the women-hating rhetoric of the modern age, of our age. So, yeah, that's what we're doing here. And uh, so we we really do appreciate that. Like, uh, again, uh, Derek has chosen this. Um, This is why he's chosen it. uh, And we're going to hop into it. We should. I definitely am going to throw the disclaimer that as we move forward, we are three heterosexual cisgendered males, and so, yes, thank you. Um, thank you. <laughs> so, so someone has to say it. We're not in this subculture. Um, I I believe. Um, I'm sure some of us have been to drag shows. I know producer Jesse yeah. goes to them, have, frequents them quite on, like, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, but we're treading and navigating into waters that we're looking from the outside. In. And so uh, if we misspeak, we are very open to like people reaching out to us and correcting us yeah. on the subculture yep. by all means. Um, we're, we're definitely like interested in learning. Um, yeah, we're definitely so- not doing this and stating like we are the people to tell you what is going on yeah. and like the best things here, to do see. for this. <laughs> yeah. We're definitely not to ba- about to mansplain drag culture. Yeah, (laughs) or gay or queer culture in the slightest. Yeah, like we're not doing that. 
and so then that brings us to um, normally would we the questions we have questions about this film. Normally I'd ask Jesse if he's seen the film, but you guys just said this was your first go at it, right? Like y'all never seen yeah, it true. before. This yes. is weirdly one of those movies that like I watched when I was like twelve a lot because it was on HBO constantly, and I just I was like, this is a fun movie. So um, yeah, and, very uh, fun. Uh, so what what was y'all's experience watching it? I guess like since y'all first timers. It's kind of like I said earlier. I thought that while the story is presented as it is, it's it's a it's a one that we've heard before. I thought that it was fun. I thought it was endearing and entertaining. And and while it is a comedy, I thought that you know Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes and Leguizamo. Mm-hmm. I thought that they all like really brought it. And it it didn't feel like a sense of like oh they're they're not making fun of drag queens. They're not making yeah. fun of of that community. They they totally put themselves into it 110 percent. I think that that's what really shined through was that they weren't afraid to just enter into those characters and 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 live that life during that period of time. Mm-hmm. But I thought, it, yeah, I thought it was entertaining. It, yeah, it's like Corey said, it's something you could easily just turn on in the afternoon and be like, yeah, this is a delightful little film. Yeah, I think that like watching it, I think there's a lot in the viewing and then the after process, like I think there's a lot of, it's very fascinating to kind of dissect it in this way that I was doing that was like immediately, the beginning opening scene, I was like, wow, it is kind of blatantly obvious how pandery, quote unquote pandery, I don't know a better word for it right now, they cast this movie to open it up to like a white male audience. like. Because I think if they just didn't put these hyper-masculine actors who are like the cultural kind of keystone at the time of like macho characters mm-hmm. and put them in that, kind of how Derek was saying in that quote, I don't think men at the time would have been open to go seeing it. But because they're like, oh, well, it's Swayze. Oh, it's Wesley Snipes. They're like menly men. Like they can go do this like i can go watch menly men do that so i think it was very interesting yeah i get what you're saying i think it's obviously it's this is the 90s and Mm -hmm. most of us all of us were kids basically so we don't really have the mindset of what a 20 year old a 30 year old male for and up were thinking about it i know that even in my like family there are people that view drag queens or even just men that dress up as women in any form or fashion as something that's not, they don't, they don't approve of it. Detestable. And so, yeah, they de- some of them it's detestable. And so you, and so I can't imagine a lot of them a liking that or even going to watch it or leaving it on the TV when it's on. Mm-hmm. And, but now like in the modern context, it's, it's kind of like when, Growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons just because, <laughs> oh, this is Bart Simpson's a bad kid and you shouldn't oh watch this God. and stuff. But then but then you watch it now and you're like, this is so this is so tame. There's yeah. What are you what were you so upset about? You know, kind of thing. I I think what Tanner said's interesting. Uh, I'm sure it just in a lot of ways, like many things, it just exposes what's inside of someone like. Yeah, I'm yeah. assuming that like, okay, if in 90, 1995, if like a 25 year old guy was like, oh, okay, Swayze and Snipes means I can go watch this because it's it's the yeah. dude from 
point break and the dude from drop zone that that makes it okay i think that means inside of somewhere they're like i want to go have fun but i'm gonna like i have to hide behind some sort of masculinity thing right and then the other side i think people that are like i can't believe swayze and synops would do that that's just like masculine like that's just a hatred inside for something Mm -hmm. that like yeah they're definitely not going to understand the theme of the movie which is essentially just meet people where they're at (laughs) you know like yeah and so um and do live with them and, and it'd be cool like uh, the the movies don't be a dick like most movies you know like don't right. be a dick. and so um don't be the sheriff like if you if you if you resonate oh with the sheriff character you got a problem so um uh, and i love chris Penn. he's a great actor but man whew. he's a great actor that character is so funny to me in this movie yeah, it's pretty fun. And he has you can tell he has a lot of fun with it. Like and I think yeah. and I think this is one of those movies where you just enjoy it because every actor on screen seems to just be having a really good time. The only yeah. thing is just there are those tonal moments where there's also spousal abuse in it. And you're like, wow, everyone in this movie's having a great time except for Carol Ann. <laughs> like <laughs> Yes. Like everyone's having oh, yeah the greatest time the drag queens visiting their town is the best thing that's ever happened to them the strawberry festival's coming up this is great but carol ann's just getting beaten eight ways from sunday and you're like oh poor stalker channing this whole movie you're yeah. just like just let her outside let her have fun <laughs> there's like and i think that was the interesting thing for me watching it was like wow this is an a really interesting drama that has just been put in the comedy genre yeah. Like there's yeah. so many aspects of this movie. Like when they get stopped by the cop and like, it is a very tense, yep. like very mm-hmm. anxiety inducing mm-hmm. scene. Yeah. And to think like, and kind of just to put yourself in that situation, you know, especially in like a backwoods, you know, country town, if yes. you're at that time, you know, a gay or a drag queen or anything like you're, there's a big prejudice there a lot of times. Uh, yeah. obviously not always but like a lot of times you're gonna get that and to like put yourself in that situation is very anxiety inducing so there's a really interesting aspect of this movie that i kind of kept going back to is like they could have done this as a really interesting drama and i think it would have done really good but it was actually fascinating to see it as a comedy with all these dramatic aspects I, I thought think it was it, cool. I, I think that's the thing. Like the movie is designed to appeal to an audience that normally wouldn't look at this kind of movie. If it was a straight up drama, it might get yeah. awards attention, but it would be that movie yes, that nobody 100%. went to see. But because it's a comedy and because it has these action stars in it, people go watch it. So. Yes. Yeah. I, I think the last thing I'll say on it before we move on is just like I kind of went back and I tried to like look at like 90s movies and like where the lgbtq like uh cinema was at the time and if you really think about it i feel like Tu wong fu may not get enough credit for really like moving this uh lgbtq like cinema away Mm. from just being oh we're a prop for aids you know like it's and the band played on in philadelphia it's like oh we're willing to dip our toe into into homosexuality in these characters so long as we're able to talk about aids and like and we have it has to be cozied up to this thing whereas tu wong fu happens and then like the next year we get the birdcage 
and things like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, maybe it kind of opened this up to go, oh, no, like these are just characters living their lives and it doesn't we don't have to shackle them into this dramatic piece, you know, right. like and then it eventually gets us to the Brokeback Mountain and milk and right. stuff, you know, mm-hmm. that would come later. Yeah. And I think you can see it just as a point of fact before we move on. Like, I think you can see it even in the year how this was more not available, but audiences audiences went to see this more and were more accepting of it than like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yeah. Which is hmm. the twin movie for this movie that year, uh, but was not seen by the more the broader audience. Broader, like, yeah, a lot of straight audiences. It's not the movie that they went to see. Yeah. yeah. And I think like this was so that in a way helped the broader audience like get more in touch with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and I've never seen uh The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, um at all, which is also a very long title that I think most people yeah. shorten yes. to Priscilla. Um <laughs> to Wang Fu and Priscilla. Um but again and again, I'm a heterosis male, but like I can go back and I can wonder if it was really cool for this community to get a film that said, Oh, this is showing the world that being gay is not a depressing thing, you know, yeah. where it's just like this tormented life, but like, here's these characters that, yeah, adversity can come and it's part of the, it's part of the deal and that sucks, but like, it's a fun movie and it's yeah. their effect on this town. It's in, in like, yeah, I think even Ebert talks to like the movie dodges controversy and it, dodges sexuality almost to the whole point you know and like maybe that's an error maybe it's not an error but like i think i i don't know i just enjoyed this movie a lot it's very fun yeah um all right so that means we need to ask ourselves uh, you know one question a couple of questions Yeah. yeah right um and this is a good one and i've seen this in a lot of the critics uh complaints about the movie one of you asked what happened to the finale of the plot line with sheriff dollard essentially like uh, what happens <laughs> with sheriff dollard uh they were going down such an interesting road that scene with him in the bar where he is just like <laughs> the touch of a man your fingers through the curling chest hairs the the whiff of like manliness and i was like this is a really interesting road they're taking where it's just obviously like him kind of hiding from the fact that he is at least pointing to the to the idea that he's hiding and hypermasculating because he's hiding from the fact that he's gay or bi or something. You he know, could like, be overcompensating in masculinity for maybe some yeah. bi curious feelings. Yeah, they, yes. they play with that in the bar for sure. I don't know. It was just an interesting thing where it was like. We got it for a second, and then it kind of did a like a 180 to where he's just now at the town, standing outside a town with a gun telling people not to go in. I'm like, oh, we were kind of really progressing in his story, and then we just took like three steps back. This is really weird to me, but whatever. It's, yeah. It might have been to, like- We had to have a, a, a showdown at the end. We had to- he, yeah. he, he couldn't- the bad guy couldn't have a proper arc. He just had to be the villain. That's yeah. Yeah. That's just, all it was. It's, it's basic writing. It's just, we're just, we're not going to make people think we're going to let them well, think a little bit, but now we're going to make, but we're going to of course correct and make it. And in all fairness, 
even if he comes to terms with maybe a uh, may, maybe he comes to terms with um, some bi curious feelings and, and questions his own sexuality at the end, he's still a racist. So it's like, yes, yeah, true. He's, he's, it, it only fixes part of his issues. Like it is 100 percent. Maybe we fixed his homophobic nature, but now he's still totally a racist. He's, he's moving forward. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe the steps, movie guys. just didn't maybe. have yeah. time. <laughs> To go even further, so maybe that's all it was. Um, we didn't have time to solve all his problems in the yeah. hour and 45 minutes. Also potentially a rapist. We don't know if he's done this before. Oh, 100 so, Potentially? Potentially? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I've only seen his interaction with with Vita, and it was unsuccessful. So, I mean, there was attempt there, but, but we have to assume he's pulled this crap before. That's not his first time, Corey. Yeah, yeah, we gotta... We gotta <laughs> He acted like this is not his first rodeo. That's for sure. He's yeah. he's got lots of problems. So mainly, what we really needed was him to get hit by a bus at the end. So I think like that's yeah. we needed a bus in. traveling down the dirt road would be so funny to me. <laughs> People and then just someone out the window, <laughs> strawberry fest, <laughs> drunk on the bus. So yeah, That'd be so good. Okay, so, um, but yeah, no, he does not get his comeuppance, really. I, I honestly have the same question about Virgil, who also gets no... He yes, just 100%. He just leaves. Just just walks just away. I thought it was going to be... That's what I thought the finale was going to be, is Virgil, who is, again, compensating by hitting his wife and, like, making sure that she knows he's a manly man, and, like, then he meets the cop at the bar. I thought they were going to get together, and we never see it. I, I thought it would be such an interesting Tanner, thing. Tanner had like such Tanner's a different ending. hope for this movie. <laughs> yeah, but I like Tanner's ending, you know? Like, in the end, they should the cops should have showed up. Everybody's afraid. I mean, we don't get the Amigos, Amigos, Amigos ending, but, like, we get right. <laughs> Yeah. But how great would have been if Virgil and the sheriff get out, and they're dressed in red, and they're just like, we want to be a part of the group. <laughs> 100%. Uh, and so, okay. And then they're right. like, no. You both fucking suck. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Hey, so that's nice. You put on some red, but you're still beating women and you're still racist rapist. So, um, yeah, you, you need therapy, not the strawberry festival. Um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, this one, uh, this is, this is my question just cause at the end, the whole Adam's apple scene, you know, it's the emotional goodbye. Can you even have emotional goodbyes in movies anymore? Cause they act like okay this is it once i get in this car and i drive away there's no contact anymore which i mean even at the mm. time you could say like you could exchange numbers or you can always come back and visit vita but now yeah. you can't even have these scenes anymore because it's like are you on facebook <laughs> like we can right i can text <laughs> there's you. an immediate connection yeah there is really no goodbye anymore so when i was watching that i was like i kind of miss these scenes but you don't really you can't really have them anymore. It's, there is it's no... very much the it's very much the old west. The cowboy has won the shootout and he has to head back into the wilderness. And they're like, right. will you ever come back? He's like, wherever the wind blows, baby, that's that's where I belong. Well, it's, and... it's Casablanca. It's like you can't yeah. have these yeah, great yeah. scenes anymore because it's just like I'll text you well, when you land. It's interesting because that the progression of that is more away from like we're leaving and it's sad that like we can't be next to each other all the time. It has changed from that to like relationship breakups. Yeah. In the same like they'll be the same ending, the same sad ending, but it'll be like the relationship that just can't 
for all intents and purposes, be together and they both realize it, there's no like hard feelings, but it's like, this just isn't going to work out. And we're both really sad that we can't do it. You know, that's kind of the thing now that took over that spot. I will say even just this version of it is interesting because technically it's a man and a woman saying goodbye to each other. And in in any other Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes movie, you'd sit there and be like, Ah, the guy and the girl should get together. Why are they splitting up? But it's like, this is a completely different dynamic. He is, he is like a motherly figure for her that has come in and helped save Mm -hmm. the day. And I think the line she says at the end, while leans into a little bit of the cheese, but it fits like, it fits pretty well. Cause she's like, I don't see you as a man. I don't see you as a woman. I see you as an angel. And it's like, yeah, it is response. That's healthy. I think that response is the best. Yeah. It's really good. That line was, I feel like much less cringe than yeah. mm-hmm. hers. Yeah. No, that's, that's all interesting. I don't know. I just, when I was watching it, I was like, I miss these scenes, but yeah, Tanner's mm-hmm. right. Now it's just like you break up and you can't escape the other person. It's like, you see their yeah. marriage live streaming on Facebook, Ugh. like a year after don't your breakup. And you're like, I can't yeah. say goodbye to this person. Cause they won't leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> cause we all exist on the internet. Yeah. Tanner just bummed me out more. Um, so you're welcome. That's what I'm here for. So, um, all right. Last question. Shouldn't Bobby Lee reject Bobby Ray, which Bobby Lee's the girl, um, the the younger girl who is in a love triangle with Bobby Ray and Chi Chi for not looking at her until she got dressed up? Then, yeah, you're right. We see this a lot in movies. It's it's the miscongeniality scenario, guys. It's girl doesn't get noticed by the guy until she has the Wizard of Oz makeup makeover. And then suddenly it's like, oh, wow. You actually clean up pretty good. And then you're, and it's like, um, no, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely leaning into that, like Hollywood, like what's the movie? Uh, she's all that. She's uh, all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that type of stuff. And it's very much like, ugh, yeah, just let's not anymore. <laughs> like, I'm tired of that. this. Like, well, that it's Greece. It's Greece one. It's why? yeah. Grease One's a terrible movie. It's just at the end, the it's like, oh, all the, she had to do was two. put on leather pants <laughs> and like perm her hair and like, God. And then it's like, no, dude, that sucks. And then Breakfast Club, it's like the worst part of Breakfast Club with an otherwise flawless movie. 100%. The jock doesn't recognize the weird girl until she, you know, gets all dressed up. And you're like, dude, no. Yeah, she's like, so what much is she learning? more interesting. Oh, no. She's so much more interesting and so much more like, I don't know. I'm way more into her when she is not Tanner's into that. the Tanner's into the emo basket case looking basket girl. Case. Well, it's just, so. it's, it's who she is. She's going to be so unhappy now for the rest of her like mm-hmm. senior year because she's like, hey, she's got to go buy a whole new wardrobe just to <laughs> keep the jock. And it's that like, shit's expensive. Yeah, yeah. And that sucks. <laughs> and like, what does she have to go over to the princess's house every morning? It's like, hey, you need to do my hair again because school in an hour and my boyfriend likes this. I think bottom line is just that the movie had too many lessons going on. And so, and it's, it's like, this is small town. They're the two young people put them together. Let's wrap this up. We we don't have enough time to teach another lesson here. That I, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's actually really spot on. And I mean, I get that we needed Chi Chi to have something to do in the second act, but I also Mm -hmm. needed more of like, the interracial couple going down in the small town. Like I needed more of that. Yeah. Like I know yeah, you were going to do like a romantic thing. Give me, give me the romantic. Give me Blythe Danner and, and the general store yeah. owner. I need this. Yeah. Like I'm rooting for them. <laughs> so, 
like we needed a wedding at the strawberry fest at the end but whatever okay all right so then the last question that we always got to ask is what changes bringing 1995's Tu Wong Fu into 2010? Like, how does this look different or how does it culturally different? That's interesting because like it's not far enough. I feel like obviously we're going to get a little bit more of it, but like it's definitely not far enough where normally I think in Hollywood we could kind of get the conversation of like the possible non-binary expression of them being in drag for okay. like constant you know what i mean because yeah. that's not really how drag queens work i mean obviously some will still get into drag fairly often to like express a different side of their um sexuality yeah. but that's not the common constant and so like i think there's definitely a lot to kind of think about there but in 2010 we're not in the cultural space that we kind of recognize that so i think it's also interesting to think about that but this is like kind of the age of those like sophomoric comedies so it might in a weird way in 2010 be more of like a comedy comedy you know what i mean more of like a yeah road it'll be a sweet 90s movie it'll be more a little more edgy but yeah retaining some of its heart kind of like a euro trip take oh you know gosh, what i mean that, like now, now you're making unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> what's it road trip what's the other one that's like one of those is okay i well i, I mean they're funny. both funny but you essentially have to revert back to like a 12 year old like you know i mean it's just like right. it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 the farts are funny thing you know it's like i'm not proud yeah. for laughing at this but like it's it's funny but it's know, funny but you know yeah. but like but it's definitely like crass, like humor. I think is what you're kind of getting at, which we have. We've crossed that yeah. line in 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 things. Um, and yeah, I, you, we're not like now. Like there's like there's like ten different drag reality shows on TV now. Yeah. Like even the horror and movie channel TV shows Shutter has dramas. one. You know, yeah. called Dragula, and it's it's just like a mm-hmm. horror based drag show. Like and, and, and so it's like <laughs> that's awesome. And so like we're not there yet i don't think i think rupaul still like the drag queen everyone recognizes in 2010 but like her popularity is at least you know dwindled down yeah um and so she's just this icon but like we haven't hit what like the renaissance yet so this will actually be like an interesting place i think like as derek said earlier though we are in this hyper masculine era of film to mm-hmm. where, yeah, maybe the door opens to where some of those dudes step into these roles and, you know, um, and, and jumpstart that conversation. I don't know. I do think in 2010, mm-hmm. they won't shy away from uh, as much that the characters yeah. are homosexual. Like, I think that will be a bigger part of the plot, you know, or like, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. they, 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 they navigate it. They, they obviously reference it a bunch. But again, I think Ebert says at no point do you ever feel like that he calls the movie asexual at some point. Yeah, it's and never an issue. Yeah, it's just never a yeah. thing other than like Chi Chi sort of getting this love triangle. And they're definitely saying, hey, at some point he's going to figure out that you're not a girl. And but that's as close as it ever gets. Yeah. And so. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it'd be an interesting take in 2010. Yeah. 
definitely wouldn't have the heart, but might pick a lane more specifically. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe and then maybe we get the ending that Tanner wants in 2010. God, I hope so. Maybe, maybe Virgil and Sheriff Dollar just learn a little bit about themselves and everyone gets a That's happy all I want. ending. All right. Well, that brings us to um, casting almost. So we're going to recast this film in 2010, but we got to talk about like what actually almost happened, how this cast almost looked different in 1995 and there's not a whole lot chi chi was actually written for john linguanzamo like offered wow. to him and he immediately nice. said absolutely and then wesley snipes jumped right at it like again got the script and said yep that i'm, I'm doing this and so um vito was the one that like they had to nail down um hmm. in terms of the cast uh, and so my research is that um, Mel Gibson was offered and considered it, Oof. Um, but turned Oof. it down. Um, Robin Williams, obviously, I think got first choice because he was part of like reading the script before it got bought right. and like greenlit yeah. it. And, you know, he gave it the thumbs up, but he actually said, I'm way too hairy for this. Like he pretty much just. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, and again, he just did drag. But as an old woman that got to wear sweaters and so yeah, yeah, yeah. got to cover up a lot of the hair, the body hair, because if you don't know, Robin Williams is was like, very, I don't have the grooming for this. Yeah, he was a very, very hairy man. So it could have um, worked because Vita's very much the conservative, like conservatively dressed of the three. Like she's always wearing like full arm length dresses uh, and stuff. Yeah, she's constantly covered 92 percent of her yeah. body. Yeah. I think we also just needed we needed an actor that was going to look really good as a woman. And I don't know if Robin Williams. <laughs> I'm not bashing anyone that thinks Mrs. Doubtfire is sexy. Say, Corey, if that's your thing, that's your thing. That's great. I'm, Corey, I'm that's our family's look. You do not talk <laughs> like that. Mine and Tanner's dad both resemble Robin Williams like, <laughs> in different ways. So, um, all right. Okay, so. Uh, Vigo Mortensen auditioned because this is he's not Ooh. quite a household name yet. Um, so yeah, the people cool. that were actually considered, I think, tossed around um, was Robert Downey Jr., William Baldwin, Gary Oldman, Matthew Broderick, James Spader, John Cusack, Willem Dafoe, John Turturro, Matt Dillon, Rob Lowe, Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, and then yeah, Robert Williams. Was so they just opened it to all of Hollywood because they didn't know what they were looking yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. And I, man, I, as soon as I read Tom Cruise, I was like, that's the world I want to live in so bad. <laughs> I, when you said James Spader, I was like, that would be so interesting. James Spader would be fascinating. It would be fascinating. But like, at the same time, you're just not sure if he's not going to have sex with the cop. Like when that, sure. Cause you're like, it's James Spader. I don't know if he can play the just like the 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 matronly vita i think he just, yeah he's too dirty <laughs> he's he's spader he's way too dirty so swayze got the role and it was it was like auditions these are the people they put feelers out to like um they did uh so he actually did a 30 minute monologue that he wrote himself about being bullied as a kid for taking dance minutes. classes Jesus. Wow. So that's how he got the role. He did a 30 minute monologue about being bullied as a kid for taking dance lessons. It's a long monologue. 
yeah, but I'm guessing those yep. people were in tears at the end. I mean, I feel like you could say something in less than 30 minutes and still get the same reaction, but like, whatever, he did it. He, right. he got it. It's fine. Aspiring actors, if you ever walk into a audition and Tanner's on the other side of that table, brevity's your friend. Oh, so. no actor in America could do that anymore. You get like no. five minutes no. in and they'd be like, I'm sorry, thank you. Thank, excuse, thank you. Hey, excuse me. Excuse me. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> All right, get out. I'm sure someone did that, and someone's like, it's Swayze. Yeah, uh-huh. They're like, shut up. What do we do? I don't know, but he keeps He's having talking. a moment. Let him finish. It can't be much longer. Yeah. He's got to um, be ending it soon. Who's after him? Chris Farley. Okay, no, we got it. No. Swayze, you're hired. <laughs> so, Thank <all> you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we got to move on. And that means we got to hop in the time machine and go back to 2010. Because if we're taking too long food to 2010, we got to get an understanding of what the cinematic landscape of 2010 looked like. 2010. Have you any idea why a raven is like a writing desk? He's so fluffy, I'm gonna die! Not your father, Sam. This is no time to be hysterical. This is the perfect time to be hysterical. Release the Kraken. You mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. You have arrived. So, who's got our box office top 10 of the year 2010? I've got your box office right here. So, we've got at number 10, Disney's Tangle. At number nine, we have DreamWorks' How to Train Your Dragon. Number eight, Shrek Forever After. Number seven, Despicable Me. Number six, Inception. Number five, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One. At number four, we have The Twilight Saga, Eclipse. At number three, we have Iron Man 2. At number two, we have Alice in Wonderland. And at number one, we have Toy Story 3. So a lot of animation domination yeah. in this period of time. All right. So in 2010, we have to animate this and it's got to be a fantasy. Like. True, 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 true. All right. Moving on. We saw what made a lot of money. Now we're going to see what made some money uh, or none at all with the Oscars. So for Best Supporting Actor, we get Christian Bale in The Fighter. For Supporting Actress, we have Melissa Leo in The Fighter. For Best Actor, we get Colin Firth for the king's speech and best actress goes to natalie portman in black swan the best picture nominees winner's bone true grit toy story 3 the social network the kids are all right inception the fighter black swan and 127 hours all losing to the eventual winner the king's speech i think yeah, some injustice has happened here but that's just all right so do we want to get butts in the seats and animate it, or do we want to make it a darkly lit, gritty piece and get an Oscar? Because that's gotta, the most in this day and age, you gotta you gotta go one. one way or the other. That's the Pick most depressing Oscars we've ever done. <laughs> Everything you're like reading, except for Toy Story Two, is like, ugh. I remember yeah. watching Ooh. that. They're I watched Black Swan and I had to shower, and I was like, ugh. <laughs> Wow, that's, all right, that's, so, that's dark. Ugh. All right, we got the money, we got the awards. Now we're seeing who copied each other. And there are two main ones for this year. It is Mega Mind and Despicable Me. 
both computer animated films about supervillain who turned evil because of bad upbringings, finding themselves seduced to the good side to defeat an even worse villain. And then we also have The A-Team and The Losers, action films about dishonored military operatives seeking redemption and revenge after being betrayed on a secret mission. So, some reboots, some animated movies. Yeah, you get it. Well, that's 2010. A lot of animation, a lot of fantasy, and then a lot of really dark, depressing things if you're watching mm-hmm. things with a critical eye. Okay. A lot of highs, um, a lot of lows. And so, Wow. All right. That means it's time to cast this thing. It means we are in 2010. We've got the Tu Wong Fu script and we've got to get a new cast for this. So I've decided to be the director or I I, I can't remember if I decided or if I was promoted to director for the Patreon episode. Um, I feel I feel good about it. I feel good about it. I'm okay. Voluntold is the word, I I believe. I feel like I'm up to the task. So that means you guys have prepared cast list for me um and you guys are going to pitch it to me and i'm going to pick yours but you guys are bound by rules so anyone mm. rule number one anyone you cast in 2010's to wong fu must be alive in 2010 cannot be dead okay. 2010 must be breathing to work rule number two they must be free they cannot be incarcerated imprisoned or tied up in anything like that in 2010 Rule number three, they must be active. And we define that here on Quantum Recast as they have to have at least one acting credit in 2010 or prior to. They already have to be a working actor. And then last and not least, rule number four, anyone you cast in 2010's Tu Wong Fu will lose all major acting credits you in movies. your ass. Yeah. We're not, we don't touch <clears throat> TV. We don't touch Broadway. We don't touch small cameo parts they did in things. But anything they did that was of Theater. note in film that year, they lose it. That prevents them from just going all crazy and willy-nilly. And then I, the director, you guys will be pitching me your guys, or guys and gals. And uh, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll... A lot of gals this episode. A lot of, a lot of gals. Um, and so you'll be pitching it to me. But if I feel like you guys did really bad, I got two power-ups. My first power up is I can retroactively switch any two actors in the roles at any point. Um, just I feel like, hey, I like it, but I'm looking at it and this actor goes here and this actor goes there. We use it sometimes for strategy. It gets crazy. But then I got the big one. <laughs> we also have the director override, which is at some point, if you guys just absolutely screw this up, I can say nope, nope, and I can put my person in. However, my override pick is still bound by the rules. So, yes. That means we have to hop into this, which we start with our 30 seconds or less cast, which means these are characters in the film that we love. We think they're great, but we just can't spend too much time talking about them. And so that list will be Tommy, played by Michael Vartan, Bobby Lee, played by Jennifer Milmore, Billy Budd, played by Jamie Harold, Bobby Ray, played by Jason London, Clara. Played by Alice Drummond, Loretta, played by Beth Grant, and last but not least, Beatrice, played by Blythe Danner. Are we good, guys? Cool. Yeah. All right. So, what I'm, I'm going to do is I'm going to say the character's name. Nick, you're going to shoot first. Tanner, you're going to shoot Got second. It. Nice. You guys ready? Uh, yeah. All right. Let's go. Tommy. Anton Yelchin. Shia LaBeouf. It's going to be Shia LaBeouf. Bobby Lee. Amanda Seyfried. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Amanda Seyfried. Woo! 
Billy Budd. Logan Lerman. Paul Dano. It's Paul Dano. Ooh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay, Bobby Ray. Lucas Black. Andrew Garfield. I don't know who Lucas Friday Black Night is, so I gotta go. Friday um, Night Lights quarterback. No, nope, gotta go Andrew Garfield. Tokyo Drift. Yeah, you, just, you just blew it further. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you just practically should just be whispering Andrew Garfield into my ear. Okay, Clara. Ellen Bernstein. Carol Burnett. Oh, Carol Burnett. Mm, that hit me. <laughs> Carol Burnett. Yeah! <laughs> Loretta. Uh, Kim Cattrall. Oh, shit. Helena Bonham Carter. Kim Cattrall. Man. What Damn is it. this, a Tim Burton movie? Yeah. Kim, Kim Cattrall. No, I had that Kim was... Cattrall somewhere else. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I, I might oh, switch, no. Tanner. I might switch. Okay. Fuck. Okay. Beatrice. Gwyneth Paltrow. Jennifer Grey. <laughs> oh. G- Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm just going to give it to the daughter. We're going to do some nepotism here. Wow. Tanner, Ass. have you ever come out of a 30 seconds or less without something horribly drastic happening to you? No. Not once. <laughs> God I, damn it. I thought we were going to make it. I thought we were going to get through that. <laughs> we were so close. The one thing I did not expect is for Nick to pull Kim Cattrall in the early fucking, at, like, early side of this. I would honestly have assumed <laughs> Nick not known who Kim Cattrall is. I, I, exactly. I think you would have been safe there. So- Come I was on, so baffled. Like I was, <laughs> I was thrown so off my fucking game. I honestly thought you liked it, like I liked it. I thought you were just impressed, but no. Okay, so you're you're not saying I wasn't impressed or didn't like it. I just wasn't expecting it and had to immediately in my head readjust my later tactic. Well, hey, Kim Control, I could still use my retroactive switch. We could we could still get her up there because once you said you had her higher on the list, I was kind of like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonder where I mean, she could be. Mainly one character nah. she could go to up top, but I don't right. hate it. <laughs> so, um, all right. Oh, I, and by the way, has Paul Dano ever lost on this podcast? Or I is he like no, Paul Dano can't cannot lose? I just feel like every time Paul Dano gets brought up, no one has. He might have lost in Back to the Future because someone that picked Miles Teller over him uh, to yeah. play old, old Man McFly, which I still think is a mistake. I didn't anyway, do that, did I? Continue. I think you did. Oh, my bad. <laughs> I didn't direct <laughs> it. I would have picked Paul Dano for that. Uh, my bad. All right, so that brings us to the, the top cast where we'll, we'll dive in a little deeper on the character. So we're going to start with everyone's favorite problematic, racist, I'm assuming misogynist, uh, homophobic, <laughs> Would-be rapist, Sheriff Dollar. Just across the board, you know. <laughs> Hits just every villain. mark of a bad person. <laughs> yeah. And so, and we're just assuming he's pulled his sidearm on someone innocent and shot them. We're just going to throw murder in there. Like, I'm just not going to put it yeah. past Sheriff Dollar. Men. Acting like women. Men wanting to be with one another. Men touching each other. Their stubbly chins rubbing up against one another. Touching each other. Manly hands. Touching swirls of chest hair. Occasional whiff of a rugged aftershave. 
Their low baritone voices sighing, grunting. They hold one another in, in manly, masculine arms. Hold one. Played excellently by Sean Penn's brother, Chris Penn. Um, rest in peace. He's our he's our sheriff that pulls over our three drag queens um, and essentially sets everything in motion by attempting to sexually assault Vita and in probably the worst knockout in film history, she pushes him off him and he somehow becomes unconscious <laughs> and they believe he's dead. <laughs> So funny. It's almost like Abbott and Costello. To injury, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it just pushes him. And he falls down, and they, for some reason, Chichi doesn't know how to check a pulse, and they believe he's dead. But in this yeah, weird, don't don't quote her on this. But he is deceased. Uh, and then yeah, and then he's essentially walking around. Uh, he spends most of the movie trying to find uh, everyone, and everyone thinks he's gotten beaten up by a girl, and it just God. pushes him deeper and deeper into his insecurity. Um, him sh- just carrying around that hand-drawn photo and putting it up next to people's faces is hilarious. <laughs> and we have like the high heel shoe that the whole time I'm waiting yeah. for the Cinderella moment where he's going to make right. people try yes. it on, yeah. but it never comes. So there's some missed opportunity there. All right. So guys, I think Tanner, you, I think you kind of cleaned house at the Pretty bottom there. thorough job of the bottom half. You did, you did. I, so I, I'm going to let Nate listen, go first. I drew blood. That's all that matters. You drew that blood. Is, that you is true. Blood. You did. Yeah. Was it a, it wasn't a total knockout, but Nick, true, I'm going to let you go true. first since Tanner uh, kind of did A well gentleman's sweep, if you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, there you go. All right. Sheriff Dullard? 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 Dollar. I Dullard. love Dollard with an like, O. There's so many good, <laughs> but there's but so the... many good, just quick <laughs> bits in this movie. Damn. So as we've discussed, dude is kind of a piece of trash, but he's also the butt of many a joke throughout the movie. So I thought I thought of someone that has been in comedy before, and then really the next year he starts to do more serious work. So I'm just going to try to kind of kickstart that a little bit with this bit of a transition into more character acting versus just being mm-hmm. in in the comedies that we've discussed of this era. Corey, I'm going to throw at you Jonah Hill. He's doing Whoa. he is doing he is doing How to Train Your Dragon and Megamind and he's also doing Get Him to the Greek this year. Okay, None of which are really the Greek is so fun. Though. Yeah, but it's a Russell Brand vehicle. It's not really a Jonah Hill vehicle. So I'm not particularly. I mean, it is literally following Jonah Hill. It is. It is about him. <laughs> but I think that this is going to be more appealing to Mr. Jonah in terms of like, listen, man, do you want to do these comedies forever? Uh-huh. Or do you want you want to come over here and do something that, that's going to get a little more attention and get you some c- credentials in the acting world. And then, mm-hmm. and then you just ease right into Moneyball. No big deal. Yeah. I was, like, nom. I was like, you're right at the beginning of him trying to transition out. Yeah. It's yes. kind of a good transition movie. Yeah. Huh? Okay. Yeah. That's not bad. He's still, he's yeah. still, he's still got a lot of the weight on, but that works. He's a cop. It's just, we're, we're playing in that right, stereotype. Right. Okay. Exactly. He's, he's All that, right. he is that small town country cop. 100%. I would definitely have him grow a mustache, though. 
a real <laughs> wispy one. one. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. All right, Tanner, what you got? I like, I like Jonah Hill. Okay. That's fun. I'm gonna bring you a guy who's he's not gonna be as like more of the comedy aspect of a police officer. Like, I definitely think Dullard is kind of a like he's a dunce police officer. Yeah, kind of the caricature of a police officer in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. But the guy that I'm bringing you, he does have a presence that could be of a cop. So it can be kind of a more dramatic thing to where, you know, he is trying to rape Vita. So it can be a much more dramatic mm-hmm. moment. Okay. Um, but he is also a huge comedy guy we've seen in, in everything. So I think he hits both sides of that coin that I was looking for. We've pitched him a few times, but I don't know if we've ever actually gotten him on here. Bobby Cannavale. Uh, Bobby. Bobby. Good old Bobby C. Bobby. He's in a lot of stuff. Um, Ant-Man, Blue Jasmine. Yeah. He, you know, he was in I, Tanya in 2017. Jumanji. He's mm. in a lot of stuff. This year, he's doing the other guys, but he's not like one of the leads. He's definitely just one of the other cops. Yeah, he's so just like, another cop. Yeah. We're literally just taking him out of a cop role, putting him into another cop another role. Another cop role. <laughs> yeah. Like, Among like, the other cop roles that he's had. That he's done. Yeah. Like, he's also been doing Blue Bloods. Do we really want to take him away from this role as a cop? <laughs> to play? Right. And put him as another cop. Like, it's not going to it's not going to mess up anything in his career. It's not going to, like, change anything in his career. He's fine. And, like, I think this is a really good spot for him because he. Bobby Cannavale at that traffic stop, like putting that paper next to like all of those women and just like mm-hmm. looking back and forth. Like my only I think my only counterpoint to Bobby is that he is so through and through when he's a cop, like you just feel like he's just from New York. And it's it's going to in my mind, it's going to be hard to make him feel like he's a country cop versus like he's that yeah, cop I mean, that you see well, you just throw an accent on him and again a mustache yeah, a mustache yeah, and an accent yeah. mustache I think will solve everything problems yeah 100 okay. percent. Um, okay. we're throwing mustaches on a lot of people by the way in my cast if <laughs> like accents are going to be a problem we're throwing a lot of mustaches on people <laughs> it's the it's the it's the problem solver yeah I, I i like the way y'all both casted because i think it speaks to the problem of this character because he's very much comedic but we're supposed to hate him and he's a very yeah. horrible yeah. person and it doesn't necessarily like work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, other than Chris Penn just kind of nails it. It's just yeah. at the same time, you're though, you're like, he has used some horrible racial slurs. He is a sexually assaulted yes. a person Oof. and yeah. like, but we're laughing the whole time that he's kind of, you know, going through his bumbling investigation. It's like if Barney right. Fife on the Andy Griffith show used the N-word like a lot in the oh, show. Yeah. It'd be oh, like, oh. like, you're laughing at every moment. He isn't a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Um, so I think like Tanner leaned into the we hate him thing. And then Nick leaned into the the bumbling detective thing. Um, yeah. And yeah. just. I just I'm going to go Jonah Hill because I just it made me laugh more. It did. Wrong. Wrong choice. But I get it. It's good. It is fun. It's it's a lot of fun. And and we know that he's got the chops to deliver those racial slurs. Like, Chris Penn really delivers them. And in that moment, you're like, whoa, (laughs) this this movie took a turn. Okay, Um, so, yeah, 
I think so. Um, and then again, I think if Tanner's ending gets in, Jonah Hill can really sell that that internal That's true. struggle. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll push for the rewrite. All right. So Jonah Hill is going to be pinned in Please. as Sheriff Dollard um, with an O. That brings us up to the movie's uh, other a-hole, um, Virgil. You put spices in here. Some fell in. I scooped them out. You do this to make me mad. Why do you want to make me mad? I scooped them out. What, what are you arguing with I, me I, for? I'm not. You I'm want not. me to hit you? <laughs> Take him out. Played by Arliss Howard, um, who is definitely a Hollywood, that guy. Uh, and he plays Carol Ann's husband, who is very antiquated and beats her and gets very mad if she speaks when she's not supposed mm-hmm. to speak. She's supposed to be in the kitchen and that food's not supposed to be too spicy. And uh, and and kind of seems like she's imprisoned in their house. They never really come out and say Pretty it, but much, it yeah. just seems like mm-hmm. she's not allowed oh, to leave the house. Oh, she definitely is. Uh, Ann's yeah. watching a lot of the movie happen from a window, so um, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, Absolutely. Is she, she if she leaves, is I was going to kill her? Or like, Virgil's going to kill her? So, yeah. I and mean, she's a- literally in the house until Vita beats him up and yeah, kicks him gets out. him out of the house. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, she is at she is outside at the beginning when they first show up, but then she speaks when she's not supposed to, and she's taken off screen. Yeah, I guess you're. Yeah, by yeah. Virgil. <laughs> maybe maybe it's mad that she walked out of the house. Maybe he's like, "What are you doing?" Oh, yeah, my gosh. So um, yeah, Virgil. He's 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 an asshole, and he also doesn't really get enough comeuppance at the end. But so that's what we need, though. We need we just need a a dick. Nick, you made it. Who's your dick? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna throw another <laughs> left field choice at you. So get ready. Uh-uh. So this person, it's kind of leaning into that whole idea of like the action stars being brought into this type of movie or playing against type to a degree. Hmm. So this this character, this person is in a current action franchise at this time and place where he's seen as being completely different. Like, so this is actually going to lean into his some roles he pulls later in his career uh, in the last five years or so. But I'm going to throw at you, Daniel Craig, Corey. Oh, wow. Wow. I think I think that if you look at like his performance in Logan Lucky, where he plays like this redneck thief, like explosives expert, I believe is what yeah. his his thing was. And then a little <laughs> bit of a little bit of Knives Out Benoit Blanc. I think you're going to get that that southern uh, asshole quality. And it's just because he's going to be going from James Bond, which is pretty much what he's doing at this point time and place he's a free agent this year um aside from doing voice work for video games for james bond so it's just gonna be a fun like actor's choice to go i'm gonna go against type and rather than be the womanizer that women love men want to be you know he's like i'm gonna be the one that everybody hates so and i just think he'll 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 definitely give off that gruffness that will be fun to uh, contrast with whoever decides to be our vita in the end yeah but he's not too much of an imposing figure as well all right all right okay okay i can i can see it so my guy you also with daniel craig i get it i get get it it. yeah i I kind of went in a similar aspect that's like he's not too much of a presence but he definitely is like 
you could definitely believe him as a Midwest mechanic who beats his wife. Do you know what I mean? Like great compliment. Can, yeah. <laughs> Not that he gives off that energy, yeah. but he's like played that character before. And yeah. it's like totally believable. That's what every okay. actor wants okay. to hear when they walk in. <laughs> you look like you beat women. <laughs> Hired. Like, oh, it's like, so I'm going to give you his name because I think Sam Rockwell would play this character really well. Okay. Okay. I was going to put him in as the cop, but I was like, I think it's too close to three billboards, three billboards. Yeah. But like, I think Sam Rockwell has that, you know, obviously he can play that like Southern, like dickhead, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I really feel like you can see that out of him. You're not going to kind of root for him to change in any way. He's just the guy that you're like, ah, fuck this guy. Like this dude's a piece of shit. So this, I, and I don't mean any, I don't mean any insult here, but this was pretty <laughs> easy for me. I'm going Sam yeah. Rockwell. It's one of those yeah. ones where Ugh. being on the nose was just really good here. Yeah, I see it so well, and like it's, it's yeah. the whole like when uh they're doing the fashion show and Carol Ann's dancing in the window and he comes in and he's like dancing, you know, and he <laughs> that's just, yeah that's Sam Rockwell like right there, and he's gonna 100%. get it, and you're also gonna immediately yeah. like tense up. You're like. Oh, Sam Rockwell is kind of weirdly menacing for yeah, it's like cringy, actor. like oh yeah, god, so, yeah, yeah. No, I hundred percent. As soon as you said it, I was like, okay, we're we're in. So we're done here. No. Move on, move on. Well, that brings us to Carol Ann. I wouldn't be lying if I were to say that I was really gonna miss you. I mean, I think it's really important for a woman. To have lady friends? No, Carolina. If we're going to be friends, there really is something I should tell you. Adam's apple? What? Adam's apple. Women don't have Adam's apples. Only men have Adam's apples. And the first night you came to town, I noticed that you had yourself an Adam's apple. I know, but I'm very fortunate to have a lady friend who just happens to have an Adam's apple. Um, which is our, weirdly, our, our female lead, um, but spends most of the movie trapped in a house, as we kind of talked about with uh, Virgil. She is, she's Virgil's wife. Um, she kind of runs a hotel like that they have, which is essentially just, I think, a spare bedroom in their home. Um, and so, uh, played excellently by Stalker Channing, who, um, you know, is just got casted on our Hocus Pocus episode, very famously Rizzo from Greece and not the problem with Greece, but that that's all she is. She, she's just that she's, she's the housewife that essentially needs rescuing. And, and like, I don't know if the town's just ignoring it. That's definitely a question we didn't ask, but you're kind of like this. The town knows she's getting beat. No one's just saying anything, right. but Vita, Noxima, Chichi, they come in, they stay in the hotel, and Vita eventually intervenes, kicks Virgil out, and helps Carol Ann to empower herself. And Carol Ann yeah. has just some of the best lines in the movie, especially the whole Adam's apple thing. And I'm fortunate to have a Ooh, lady friend yeah. who just happens to have an Adam's apple. That's a good yeah. line. That's so, that's absolutely a good line. Yeah, it's a great line. All right. Well, Tanner, you're on the board up top. Hell yeah. So. 
Who's your Carol Ann? Good luck. <laughs> this is where I had Kim Cattrall. <gasps> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. What? Um, God damn it. It was so, damn it. I just, <laughs> I want it so bad. Um, okay, so I'm going to give you more of like an on the nose choice. I think this one would be like who they would call in for this. Absolutely. Um, just because you believe she's like this Midwest woman, you can believe that like she's got this like fun inside of her, but she's just bogged down by all the drama in her life that mm. is like keeping her locked inside. Yeah. Right. Meryl Streep plays that character so often is just like this dramatic woman who like is kind of like life is just beating her down. I feel like mm -hmm. a lot of times. And then she's just trying to look for a way out. And so I thought, like, that's probably who they would call in in 2010. If I can't have Kim Cattrall, I'm going to put in Meryl Streep where she can actually have something that's, like, kind of interesting. That, like, we would have fun with her in. Hmm. I get it. You had to pivot. You had to pivot. You had. You I had did. I had hard. to pivot. This was my backup just because I think she would actually do this in 2010. Uh, she's not doing anything in 2010. She's doing uh, mm -hmm. Web Therapy, the TV series. She just did Julia and, or Julie and Julia the year before this and Mama Mia two years before this. When did she do It's Complicated? Uh, the year before this. Okay. Oh, okay. That gives me a really good readout on her. Okay. That's like one of her best movies and it's just so underrated. Yeah. Nick. The streep is on the board, so yeah. So that kind of blew went, Nick's mind. He was confused. I went, uh, younger, significantly, uh, <laughs> and, and I think she'll match better with Sam Rockwell. But uh, I went with Jennifer Gardner, and I think I leaned into more of the when it comes to those times when she's very like timid and sensitive towards don't put spice in the food or when he fake punt throws a punch at her way and like just being very fragile in those moments but she also has the ability as seen in shows like alias and stuff to be more of a heroine a stronger type of character as well yeah that so is we baffling that. to me because alias was just before this so we see her as like a total badass she would not but the weird thing about it is that jennifer garner herself is like very quirky and 30, 13, more, more like her character on like 13 going on 30. So I sure I don't, I don't think I, I don't see Sam Rockwell being married to Meryl Streep at this point in time. It's just what I, is how I see it. But I see her being able to play like the more timid housewife that's scared of her abusive husband. I keep okay. waiting for Meryl Streep to kind of do it, kill the man herself, basically. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd be waiting for, Jennifer Garner to kick his ass. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so first of all, they both can play badasses, but they can also both play meek, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I get it. We're having to put ourselves in the context of the time, and one's just coming off alias, and we've seen her be a failed Electra, and then we, yeah. Meryl Streep's just got a badass career at this point. Um, here's what I have to do. And like it, my hands are tied. Like, look, look at okay. the, look at the theoretical bindings. Look at, look at these hands. Yeah, hands. like they're they're tied. I have I see no rope. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Damn it, Nick! Use your imagination. 
Do I need blue from Blue's Clues? Come over and draw it. Okay, just use it. <laughs> so, y'all have left me no choice. Kim Cattrall has to go here. Yes! It's the best of the three, in my opinion. Yes, it's, it is. It, Thank even you. with Sam Rockwell. It's just, Kim Cattrall can do this. Yes. But who are you picking? <laughs> but she, but she got put in as Loretta. And so, yes. I don't, I hate this. I don't like doing this. It's not how I like to play this game. But Jennifer Garner cannot be Loretta. It's the cranky. Yeah. It's the cranky one. So mm-hmm. we have to have Meryl Streep character act in a tiny role. Which, which she can do. Yeah, but I mean, are we insulting Meryl Streep? <laughs> Meryl Streep is just showing her support for for the okay. community by showing up, taking the veterans minimum, and working on helping win this championship. All right. So that's just yeah. how this has to go. It's it's a little messy. I don't love doing this to Meryl Streep, but I have to switch her with Loretta. I can't do three way swap, so it has to be a yeah. straight trade. This and, is and Kim Cattrall has to go at Carol Ann. Perfect. Thank you. This would be Meryl Streep's like introduction and start to like getting into character for August Osage County. That's how I see it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I. Love it. All right, so that brings us to our top three. Uh, we got it. We got it. We got to cast our drag queens here, um, and we're gonna start with our drag princess, Chi Chi. Chi Chi Rodriguez. What's with the waterworks? I just, I just wanted to win this so much, you know, because I never won nothing my whole life. Every time that I do something, you know, I'm getting it wrong, and somebody's always laughing at me, you know. <laughs> But maybe I'm going to meet somebody nice who will rescue me and take me away and instead of these old men, you know, with their greasy bellies and their, their money and their, uh, 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 and leaving when the time is up. But no, because I'm a loser. That's why I'm a loser. I hate my life. I hate myself. No, please. I hate everything. Played by John Linguizamo in a role written for John Linguizamo, and it's excellently played by John Linguizamo. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like he's kind of playing Rosie Perez the whole time, but it really works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Gotta works. I don't know how That's Rosie hilarious. Perez felt about it, but, you know. She loved it. You know but, she did. I mean, the whole time I'm like, this is just white men can't jump, but it's Johnny Wazala. They even have the basketball scene. They do. They do, they do have a little nod to it. Yeah. And it's Wesley Snipes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Man, we just need Woody Harrelson in here somewhere. All right. I will. He could have been the 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 husband oh he could have been the husband dang it what have we done oh my gosh it's too late i can't use my override we we have rules okay all right so uh chi chi she is our uh drag princess uh according to vita um she's new she's new to the world and uh, according to this movie i have no idea if this is how it works in real life you got to really earn your stripes in the drag community, at least in this movie. Um, and so uh, she starts out as just a little Latin boy in a dress, works her way to drag princess, and then finally becomes drag queen. Chi-Chi is kind of a mess, very chaotic. Um, she's she's definitely the chaos of the movie. Um, comes to yes. this town, immediately falls in love with a dude who thinks she's a woman, doesn't see the problem. She uh, She's obviously very short-sighted. Like, she's not thinking of long-term, you know, complications here despite Nazima and Vita saying, hey, this is going to come up, gets caught up in a little love triangle with Bobby Ray and Bobby Lee, and she does the right thing and pushes Bobby Ray back to Bobby Lee, um, and just excellently played by John Linguizamo. 
probably my favorite character in this movie by far. So, Tanner, um, I'm going to say you won the last one. I, I mean, Meryl Streep <laughs> came in. We switched it with your original choice of Kim Cattrall. So I feel like you kind of... Okay. You almost won twice there. Semantics. I mean, I listen. did. I did. You're welcome, win it, Tanner. And then win it again say. by getting, getting the person that I wanted so, in. Um, we, yeah. A lot of wins. <laughs> mm. Mm. No, no, no. Mm. I did this, Nick. You don't get oh, to a, say a, a, that this is on you. There. Well, Tanner, who do you got for Chi Chi? Okay. So, God, these were all so difficult. Here's the thing that I wanted with this. And I was talking to Derek about it because I wanted to reach out and just kind of get a, I don't know, a feel for how the drag casting with straight men was perceived at the time and how it was affected, how it affected the community and like what the community thought. And the way they put it was really interesting. Essentially that the movie wasn't made for the gay community, that it was made for straight community to be yeah. more open to their queerness and to be more oh, okay. accepting of their own queerness. So like, it's more of like the movie's made as a door open for the straight community to come into that world yeah, and look around rather than it being made for that community. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. That's a good way yes. of looking I mean, at that- it, I think. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was definitely a thing that kind of relieved some tension for me. It's like, okay, as long as I feel like I get people who are, you know, more aligned with like allyship and like kind of more involved in the community, I don't feel Mm -hmm. terrible about, you know, casting more straight people. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fair conversation to have because I mean, like they said, the movie was made in a time where, there wasn't a prevalence of well-known members of the LGTP community and or gay men just in general that were prominent actors in the world or that were out as prominent actors. Yeah, it's like mainly so, out, probably. Yeah. yeah. And even at that point, and even maybe you could even make somewhat of an argument in 2010 that that still was somewhat of the case. And so it's... Yeah, we're it's getting more open that, to it. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting that the the perspective of maybe allyship has changed a little bit for the actor world because it went from this movie being something that was maybe in the 90s is seen as this is a bold and brave thing for someone to do to support the community to yeah. now we're in 2022 where we sit here and go well aren't you stealing a role from a gay person or a member right. of the lgbt community but i yeah, think I that in order for us to get here you had to have those steps and it had right. slowly worked worked it our way in and made it accessible and okay for people to understand and and you know yeah yeah for sure for sure so here's what i did with chi chi it was difficult to find like a a hispanic actor that i felt was really going to live up to john leguizamo so -hmm. i just went looking for other inspirations for the character and other communities that could really yeah. play that role i'm bringing you a guy who is like at this time kind of more involved with um more actiony stuff so he's still like this bigger action guy but also he's a big male comedy guy in the sense that he plays a lot of these like kind of sex comedies before this time and he's really starting mm-hmm. to transition into bigger more intricate 
deep roles. And I think this is a really good spot for him to kind of show a little bit more. Okay. I'm bringing you John Cho. Oh, we love. Some okay, John that's Cho. interesting. All right. Yeah. So okay. John Cho, this is like the year after Star Trek. So okay. this is a year after he's Sulu. He would really play this role really well. Like, I think he's got these kind of bigger comedy chops where like he is more of a physical actor like Jean Leguizamo, where he's really playing this, you know, kind of crazier, more physical, like you said, like Rosie Perez style character. And I think mm-hmm. John Cho really has that ability to kind of go big in those like physicality. And I think he would just be a lot of fun here. No, I think, I mean, I don't have a lot of context for John Cho playing this type of character, but I know he could I mean, get there. Like, I know yeah. he, like, he's got a lot of range is like yeah. the thing with John Cho. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. He's usually typecasted as the straight man to someone else, you know, right. like, and not sexuality, but I mean, just playing the more dull character, the comedic guy nice. playing off yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, But like, um, and so like, yeah, I, I, I can see it. I, I didn't. My brain definitely didn't go there, but I don't hate it. Yeah, I I just feel like he's a character, like you said, is very underrated. And I feel like he's got a lot of range that he's not really allowed to show that much. And I feel like this would be a really good spot for him in his career to kind of actually drop into that and show what he's got. Yeah, for sure. All right. Okay. Nick, John Cho's on the board. What do you got? John Cho is on the board, and as much as I love John Cho, I'm going to throw you someone that I found. They are doing a movie this year that wasn't as well-received, I think, as maybe they were hoping for, but that's what happens mm. when you try to gladiatorialize uh, Robin Hood. So oh, I'm going to bring you Oscar Isaac, who in sure. that movie actually played Prince John, which... I, when you I was suddenly sat there and went, oh, yeah, that thing. But Robin Hood is very a very forgettable version of that tale just because they try to make it like the dark, gritty origin story. But I think Oscar Isaac has all the talent in the world. I think that he's he has a Cuban father. Yeah, I'm trying to I can't mm-hmm. remember his full back. Guatemalan mother, Cuban father. He fits yeah. right into um, that group. And I think. It's it's there's not a lot to delve into, but I just think that for a lot of the reasons that uh, John Leguizamo is chosen for this role, I think Oscar Isaac can hit those things as well mm-hmm. in spades. Like he's charming. He can do dramatic. He has the ability for a little comedy and stuff, which I you kind of get to see in Moon Knight and things like that later on that, that came out this year. Yeah. So I think that he's a uh, in this at this point in his career he's he's a lesser known name but he's an up and comer at the same time so because mm-hmm. i don't think he really comes on the scene scene he's in sucker punch the, in 2011 he's in drive which is probably the first time people are like taking true note of him i and then from there i wouldn't ahead. even i feel like inside lewin davis would be his like breakout because yeah, i think in drive yeah. Inside mm-hmm. Lou and Davis is 2013 because I mm-hmm. literally until you said that I don't remember Oscar Isaac in Drive. Like, yeah, it was I a lot of smaller could, roles. A lot of yeah, s- could not tell you where he is. Yeah. Inside Lou and Davis, I think is when everybody went, oh, it's that guy from 
from yeah. that movie and that, that movie. other stuff so, yeah yeah so that is who i'm yeah, presenting it's interesting i mean i kind of get what you're doing here i can see him doing it but like he's very 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 i don't know i don't think i feel like i've seen a lot of his more like bigger personality comedy side so i feel like i don't have a lot of context in it's, that it's very him. much it's very much visible in the moon knight series because he's literally okay. playing two maybe three characters yeah and so he gets to play around with bigger personalities and stuff as well in those yeah but but like you said yeah normally he oftentimes he'll play more more dramatic controlled play. more dramatic yeah. characters but even in in movies like uh it's the ex machina like even though that's more of a sci-fi kind of dramatic role he lets yeah it's, you get to see some of his personality come out and and fun and stuff as well i mean he, he was on uh, he was memed to death at, for the dance scene in that movie so he's oh yeah yeah so yeah. He sh- yeah okay you guys both kind of went in weird directions and i was fair enough I got an override here I could use, and I really want to use, just because I'd really like to be on the nose and safe with Chi-Chi. You uh, also put chose Perez John Leguizamo. Okay. No, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't really trust, I don't know what y'all did up top with Vita, and I got I got, I got, got a pretty bold override I could use there if y'all blow it. Yeah. And so what it is, is like, I think Oscar Isaac I've I've seen more personality in his roles. I think he's got more. I think he's had more opportunity to like show me that mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. movies I've seen. Obviously, Poe Dameron's kind of a very comedic character in the Star Star Wars yeah. movies and things like yeah. that. And and then John Cho though is it kind of ticks my box a little more. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it. Maybe it's just I want to see it because I know he could do it well. Um, yeah, and I think he would have so much fun. I'm, I'm going to go with John Cho, and I'm going to trust y'all, and I'm not going to play Wilmer Valderrama. And I don't know how he did. Not oh, come damn, off. that's really I, that's, good. That's who I, <laughs> Tanner. That's who earlier I was talking about. I was like, this might be on the a little too on the nose because you're essentially having him just be uh, Fez, Fez. <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> but yeah, it's there. That's actually, that's actually really good. Yeah. And like, I don't know, it's ever been canonical, but in my mind. By 1985, Fez figures out he's gay. Like, it's just, it's just, it, I've yeah. watched the 70 show eight times through, and he's gay. He just doesn't know yeah, yet. Or, He'll get there. Or at least by. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. at least by. <laughs> so, um, all right. Yeah, I'm going to go with John Cho here just because I want to see John Cho get That's to be good. let loose in, in drag, and I think he would be a ton of fun. It, and it still works because then, I mean, like, you know, again, and it's, 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 the movie's kind of weird, like, how much racial jokes these three mm-hmm. drag queens throw at each other constantly. Oh, 100%. Um, but, you know, now he'll just be the little Asian boy in a dress at the beginning, and that line right. will still work coming out of Vita's mouth. I think. Right. And, and then, and I, I do want to see John Cho play that, that person that's really trying to aspire, the, aspire to be the most out there drag queen. So mm-hmm. that'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. For sure. All right. We're taking a risk there. That brings us to Noxzema. See, Miss Vita seems to think that I don't have a dream. Well, honey, I'm not Martin Luther King. I don't need a dream. I have a plan. You know, I'm going to tell you what it is. Because, see, instinctively, I knew I could trust you. Being that you're not a big talker and everything. My plan is that while in Hollywood, I will be approached by an eminent producer at the Ivy, no doubt. To star in the lush film version of the life 
of Miss Dorothy Dandridge. Oh, yes, that noble black dress who never played domestic help and then whose career was crushed by the white Hollywood machine. Oh, homegirl ended up dying penniless. Um, who, oh, God. Weirdly, the top casted person in this movie, maybe I'm just guessing Wesley Snipes was on top of the world in 95. Yeah. Because um, honestly, of the three drag queens, he kind of gets the least amount of stuff to do, like in terms of yeah. arc and things, uh, as, as opposed to Vita and Chi Chi. But tons of one liners. Wesley Snipes does so incredible in this movie. It's it's almost like you're just kind of going like there should have been some sort of Oscar buzz around. He's just very natural. It never feels forced. It's incredible. No, but yeah, yeah he's really good. Yeah, I guess Noxzema is weirdly like, I don't know if you want to say the alpha of the group because Vita is also very alpha, but like mainly her, her I guess or Noxzema's arc is around uh, um, Clara and, and just getting uh, mainly she has her own prejudice towards the small town people not accepting her and blah 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 and then of course she learns that they do accept her and it's great and adversity is going to come her way and just uh, you know live her life i mean again doesn't have the most filled out arc it's just wesley snipes does incredible it's just a fun performance yeah so for sure and that's what you guys are looking for here someone's gonna have to really bring it with Nagzima. so tanner you made it who is your Nagzima? all right Nagzima is easily the hardest character to cast in this this cast list because Wesley Snipes just blows it out of the water with like knocks it out of the park. So it was very difficult. I have a list of like 10 people that I was like, oh, oh, just had because I was like, I don't know who I trust to do this well. (laughs) Like I originally had because I think it'd be really interesting to see. Like, originally I had Tyrese Gibson down, but, like, I don't trust him. Like, I do not trust him to give the performance that he needs for that. But I thought it would be really interesting. Um, And then there's a lot of, you know, actors that I thought would do really well, but they're not known at the time. And this is, like, this would be, like, the first year they're acting, and like mm-hmm. we said, this is like something that you're wanting to bring people into. So you would yeah. want more names. Um, so I'm going to do this. I'm bringing you Will Smith, who's basically like everyone in his family is within the LGBTQ community. So he is like very involved and he's very in it. And from what I understand, he's an ally. I know he's obviously had some issues here and there. But I think, like, out of anyone that I know, at this time, he is going to be the guy that plays so well. The combination that we get from this character is, like, this incredible, deep character that is very dramatic and loving, but also hilarious. Like, we get that, you know, the scene where where Nagzima grabs what's his name Tommy by the balls and is just like (laughs) like walking him over to like apologize to everyone and we get these great incredible moments of like her kind of stepping up to be the defender of the group and be yeah like the Mm -hmm. overall mom of the three of them yeah and I think Will Smith 
really shows that he can do that. And I think like, it's also great because he's got a, this is in the middle of him taking a break. And then after yeah, he's this, a free agent. He, yeah, he's a free agent right now. He doesn't really come back until 2012. And that's when you kind of start seeing a lot of his downhill like stuff. <laughs> like, like, what is it? Like Hancock is right around that time. The, the and, run is officially over. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And that's when we get like, um, what's the one he did? Not Battlefield Earth, but the After Oh, Earth. After okay. Earth. To, to put it yeah. simply, he's in his Jaden Smith phase. He yes. is yeah. cramming yeah. his son down our throats right now because Karate Kid comes out in 2010. Like, yes. So we're in, the, he's in the process of trying to make his kid a star during this time. So yeah, it's definitely, I think this is where we start kind of seeing his actor downfall at the time until he gets this resurgence here in the last couple of years. But like, I really think him doing this and doing well really kind of sets him back on track and really keeps that alive for him. I, yeah. I, I like your argument that I think he needs it in 2010 a little bit. Yeah. He, he's taken his first shot at Oscars. They didn't take. He tried to do sci a lot of sci-fi, then takes the huge break, comes back, and tries to really struggle finding himself there So for a few years. so Yeah. Yeah, I, I could accept that argument. All right, Nick. Will Smith, he's, so Will he's, he's got a yeah. ton of comedy chops. So what you yes. got? Are Will you Smith is it? definitely the top two on my list. And yeah. for all the reasons that Tanner has brought up, the reason I didn't even uh, dive into as much, but his allyship and his, his family being involved in the community also is, is good reasoning. And also another addition, not, not to help Tanner's argument, but Will Smith is a big name. It's kind of like it's it equates to what the Wesley Snipes of saying signing on the board, and that's an it's an eyebrow raiser. So from a filmmaking standpoint, you sit there and go like, "Who's the biggest name we can get?" That makes people suddenly go, "Wait, Will Smith's doing what?" And it draws mm -hmm. intrigue into the movie. So I'm going to counter. I'm going to counter with who I think's probably the other big name that would be in my opinion that would be considered as the alternative um i'm because he's has won an oscar he has history in comedy he's also a part-time musician but i'm gonna give you jamie fox um yeah. i think also on my list i think that he he has that same same semblance of balance that will smith does between the comedy the action i do think that jamie fox when it comes to being more the tough guy or the uh, more serious in terms of like uh, intimidation, I think Jamie Foxx can pull that off better. I think Will Smith still can mm. be a tough guy and be the action star, but he often leans yeah. into the Chris Pratt genre of like, let me make a quip. Let me have fun with it kind of thing, you know? In, right. Um very so I think that's boys, just where like you kind of have to decide which side of the of the way you want to go. It's like Will Smith's going to be the bigger name for sure, and he's going to mm -hmm. be able to do it because he has the comedy bits and everything. But it's like, well, if you want the kind of Wesley Snipes side of it, where it's like when he grabs somebody by the balls and walks them over, like you are worried that he's going to rip the dude's balls off, kind of thing. Whereas yeah, Will Smith, yeah, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be definitely play way for the humor. And it's, and but I think either way, I think both are good choices i just think jamie fox 
might be able to find a cool balance between comedy and the serious notes here and there a little bit more than will can and also the idea that i have a slight concern that when you cast will smith it's going to be hard to get him to not be will smith if that makes sense and be the character sure i mean i i get that also we've just seen the man do the pursuit of happiness and seven pounds Mm -hmm. where he has totally taken will smith out of himself you know what I mean? Yeah. Out of his characters. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you, but I do think just he's before shown. this, yeah. we've seen yeah. that he's like, he's able to do that. Mm-hmm. All right. So I feel like you guys have brought me the two biggest possible names. You could go here because yeah. the only other name I put down as a possible like fun thing was Idris Elba. And that's mostly out of I would have loved to have seen it. <laughs> That'd be like, very fun, yeah. Him attempt it because he's always very masculine and always has a beard, and I just yeah. think it would have been a lot of fun to see him try. Um, but at, the thing is, is kind of playing on what y'all both did get right is Idris Elba's not the name at the time. He's just mm-hmm. the wire. He just did his run on The Office, and he's still kind of breaking it. I mean, he's most famous overseas as Luther at this point. Hundred you know, percent. Yeah, you know, so he hasn't quite like landed. Um, he's about to the MCU, but we're not there yet. So, um, the way I'm going to play this because I think you both just did perfectly is I'm just going to go with the taller actor, which is Will Smith. Hell yeah! That's <laughs> I got six two beating out five nine, and just so for aesthetics. Oh, tall, even, tall. Got it. Yes. Yeah, I think just for for the sake of it. Because I could sit here and rack my brain on the pros of both because there's very little cons to either. Yeah. I'm just going to say Will Smith's taller and so aesthetically it's going to work better. Yeah. Um, In terms of just the the visual humor. uh, You lined him up. You did the measuring thing. You did the look. You you know. Did. Jamie Foxx's. This works better. Just works. I've got like I've got like we maybe could get Jimmy Fox some boots. It's fine. I mean, I mean they're in heels, but then again, when I put Will Smith in heels, he's now six, you know, five. It's even more funny. So <laughs> you know, and so um, but yeah, Jamie Fox, I've got like an inch on Jamie Fox, and so uh I need I need Will Smith in there. So Okay. Um, well, right. well, well. Again, both perfect. I just had to have yeah, a deciding yeah, factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, the yeah, sake yeah. of the decision. All right. Well, that brings us to our very top, Vita. I would like stand up, Vita. I would like to go to Balakinwood, Pennsylvania, and walk into that imitation Tudor-style house. Stands up, Vita. Stands up, and I will say. My name is Miss Vita Boehm. Go ahead, girl. And your approval is not needed. That's right, approval neither desired nor required. But I will take your acceptance. Played incredibly by Patrick Swayze. Uh, in my research of this, uh, you know, at the very opening of the film, they actually have a, very, uh, a multitude of real-life drag queens as part of the opening drag queen mm-hmm. uh, dance and then also the ending. And they all like say that Patrick Swayze was the most. I'm curious about your world. Tell me how to do this respectfully. Tell yeah. me what to, you like. And they all just like he apparently gifted everybody like uh, uh, silver Tiffany uh, makeup compact. Holy shit! 
and like just just as like a thank you to like helping him out throughout the whole thing and and so like wow. uh apparently it was just a class act on set so damn uh, and, but vita is our our lead drag queen even though she ties with noxima very much the one calling the shots um very much uh, the one who gets involved in the more um heavier uh content of the movie in terms of caroline getting beaten by virgil intervenes beats up virgil you know obviously um and kicks him out of the house and steps up and we get the fun joke that vita works out a lot um but very mm-hmm. much Vita is also got the the heavier arc of obviously their parents have completely disowned them because of their life decision. And mm-hmm. that is what this character is working through throughout the entire movie is in terms of acceptance. And I think that the character is well written in that, like this character goes out of their way to constantly be accepting and open minded with other people throughout the film um, because that was not awarded to them. That's Vita. That's, that is Vita. This is the first time I've ever watched this movie with like an adult lens, so I feel like I picked up on a lot. So, um, <laughs> you know, as much as a heterosexual man can pick up, um, without just having to go find people that actually live in that world and ask questions. So, um, the only thing that I found in this movie, um, in terms of drag queens um, perceiving this movie, is that drag queens often don't wear this stuff off stage as yeah. much and in this movie that's the only complaint i could find amongst the drag queen community is like well they're constantly dressed up you right. know and so like in in our bedroom we would probably not be wearing our wigs not be wearing like the flashy yeah, yeah, outfits yeah. and stuff like that and so um but you know other than that i think that's that's pretty well so yeah the other side Janet. of that is definitely like they showed up to town in right. drag <laughs> like as women so like they can't really just walk out of the room yeah and yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Really I guess true. That. I guess it's just like, okay, everyone accepts us as women. We're going to just play this through until Monday morning. So, yeah, yeah we're just going to get in, get out, and not talk Call about it, it again. Yeah. 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 Also fair. So, Tanner, you have hit two out of three of the top. Here we can, go. Can you close it out? Who is your Vita? Okay. Vita. Patrick Swayze, right? So, the, I mean, epitome of like the masculine actor at the time 2010 i'm gonna bring you someone who is i mean quintessential like masculine like everybody looks at this guy and is like that's the guy right even to the point of like kind of this guy does a lot of things that a lot of guys can take the wrong aspects from and kind of champion okay. those things yeah that's brad pitt Wow, I did not even consider Brad Pitt. Okay. I thought, yeah, I thought you were going somewhere else. But I did too. I, I was like saying. waiting for, yeah. I thought you were going to say Vin Diesel, honestly. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, first off, Vin Diesel would be fucking crazy and wild as hell. So, I mean, this is like, we, we've seen him as a bunch of stuff the last few years. Like, we've seen him do his crazy, like, comedy in like burn after reading where he is just fucking stupid. Uh, and he just yeah. plays like an absolute idiot. But we see him as like all of these very masculine, manly characters with like Troy, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, like oceans, like all of yeah. these things were just a few years ago and in glorious bastards the year before. So he is like this very, very masculine, like top of his game 
at the time, like one of the biggest names still as an actor, right? Yeah. And I think like you throw him in this, this really gives him a chance to not just be the pretty boy, not just be the kind of meme a little bit that he is of just like being the pretty boy who also happens to be able to like act, right? Yeah. I think this really would show off a lot of aspects for him and maybe pull him out of, I mean, really he's only doing Megamind this year, so he's kind of, he's a free agent. But the next couple of years, he does like World War Z and uh, the Tree of Life, which I, hopefully this just opens up some more doors where he doesn't have to do those because I'm not a fan of them. Oh gosh, Tree of Life is unwatchable. Uh, so is World War Z. It. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, Brad Pitt. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Plus, Honestly, I mean, not on dude, my list. That dude is gonna look incredible in drag. Yes, he is. Yes, yes he is. Um, Johnny Depp, though, um, not he was he was he, it's the same thing as the whole Johnny Depp like thing. Whenever he yeah. was kind of open to casted, that it's a very very pretty man, you know. And but Johnny Depp's done drag before, not yeah. seen it with Brad Pitt, you know, and right. so it's kind of like I'm intrigued. You've 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 piqued my interest, yeah. you know, where it's like let's take this very very handsome pretty man and then like and again it's Brad Pitt. He is going to be that he fits the whole hyper masculine mode, but we also know that his range is just ridiculously yeah. far. And, yeah, for sure. And we've not gotten to see him go this uh down this path though so that's kind of yeah that's fascinating okay all right all right tanner has thrown brad pitt into it and did not make my lengthy list for this so i'm I'm having to really think here yeah i thought i had you guys pegged but i did i'm swinging for the fences this time around all right nick what you got so i think this role was one that i was struggling with the most i had a list of people and i was just not satisfied completely Mm -hmm. but then when Tanner did his spiel, it unlocked like two people for me immediately. Nice. It makes me think about Vin Diesel more than you guys are joking <laughs> about. Yeah. Cause, cause the thing about Vin Diesel is that it would be somewhat completely against type. He is seen as a tough guy. Oh yeah. We know he has a sensibility and like, he's very much into gaming community and, and lots yeah. of like, he's not your typical tough guy actually. So, to see him do that would be very jarring. I wonder yeah. if he would be a better fit for a Noxima versus a Vita, though, mm. um, in terms of motherly qualities. Interesting. I thought you were going to say Matthew McConaughey. And oh I my God. was sitting there thinking, Whoa. and I was like, oh, gosh, because he's a free. They're both free agents this year. I look, just looked it up now. He would just have that kind of southern gentlemanly quality about him, I guess. And he's this is right before the true McConaughey McConaissance starts, I guess, because we're getting because he just did. He's about to do Lincoln Lawyer, Bernie and Killer Joe in 2011. Uh, In 2009, he did Ghost of Girlfriend's Past. So it's basically like the final nail in the coffin of I'm the rom-com guy. Yeah. Yeah. So this would be, if he was to do this, it would be a direct uh, step from that. And we've not really seen him do that. 
And he's also, yeah. like you said, kind of like Brad Pitt, he's seen as like this manly man. Women want to be with him. Men kind of are like, yeah, he's super cool. Yeah, he's definitely like, especially doing like all the rom-com stuff, he's definitely mm-hmm. like kind of the like almost womanizer like yeah. mm-hmm. actor guy. So he has yeah. this like masculinity that's like mm-hmm. he's just always looking to get women type thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he and he's even admitted himself. He's like, I did that mo- mo- mainly for the money. And he finally reached a point where he was like, I want to take these acting roles. But people weren't taking him seriously because they're like, no, you're the rom-com guy. So he finally had to like just stop accepting rom-coms so that he could actually get good roles and in- stuff again. I'm going to go with Matthew McConaughey. I had another name, but I don't feel like it was going to be what we really wanted for, for, for Vita in terms of being able to give the motherly kind of leader of the group, as well as being able to kind of navigate all the drama and humor as well. So, yeah. Okay. All right. This is, y'all both went down some fun paths here. Okay. And they're both strong. I think that, I think you guys both brought really strong contenders for this role. Um, you know, I, I kind of looked at a lot of the list of people that almost actually played this role in 95 and kind of thought who could still do it in 2010. Again, Depp, we finally saw in drag and he did incredible uh, in uh, Vicky Barcelona. And then uh, Dwayne Johnson came up in my mind as well. Um, just because he did play a gay character and be cool and did, just did amazing, right. in my opinion. It's his best um, acting so probably can, to date. <laughs> he can, and it's and again, it's the size thing um, that's fun, but that I think he that's maybe taking advantage of it, and maybe maybe it's not mm-hmm. even the Adam's apple. I think I think he fits a Noxima better than, than yeah. Vita. So mm-hmm. here's my thing: I I like Brad Pitt and I like Matthew McConaughey. Um, I you know, and so. And it really comes down to if I want to pull my override on essentially either Captain America or Iron Man right now, who are my two top contenders. Yeah. uh, Because they are um, both out there. The only thing I, so if I put Chris Evans here, we lose him and Scott Pilgrim. Um, Oh, damn. uh, That's tough. That's tough. tough. With RDJ, we lose Iron Man too. Which I don't know how important that is canonically. To it's the least the, popular of the Iron Man movies. And we oh, lose yeah. due date, which we don't need due date at all. Like, we don't need just, due date because it's so just planes, yeah. trains, and automobiles. Yeah. So here's the thing. I honestly, of the two, I like RDJ the most out of mine. Yeah. I did not consider the Brad Pitt play here. Mm-hmm. And, and And here's the thing. Also, Simply, when you said Brad Pitt, it gave me shivers. When Nick said Matthew McConaughey, it gave me shivers. So I'm, I'm not going to override here. Nice. I feel like I feel like you guys are on to something. So the okay. way I'm going to make this decision, though, is I think who's taller? That I, no, no, I'm not <laughs> going to go who's taller. I am going to go with Brad Pitt. Yes. Because I think Matthew McConaughey at this point is too much of the rom com guy. Yeah, it's not as impactful as throwing Brad Pitt in. Okay, 
because Brad Pitt's in like he's in leading actor, lead lead action actor kind of role right mode yeah. right now. That it I looked at his run from essentially playing uh Achilles, uh which is mm-hmm. probably aside from maybe Tyler Durden being the most toxic masculine role, which again I always <laughs> like to remind people he's the villain. It's not problematic. You're not supposed to root for him. <laughs> so uh <laughs> And uh, but from Troy, he's pretty much playing like Rusty Ryan. He does John Smith and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. He does Jesse James and he does mm-hmm. uh, Lieutenant Aldo Rain is the last thing we see. Oh, OK. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's gotten four of his kind of like bigger, like masculine actiony roles like going down yeah. in that uh, f- pretty much that six year period uh, between Troy and this. So I just think it's going to hit right. That yeah, opening scene think, of Brad Pitt walking mm-hmm. out of the shower, sitting down, putting his hair back and saying, here comes mama. Like, we're all in. We're in for the Yeah. Room. Yeah. I, I think we're strapped in at that yeah. point. Yeah. And, and, and again, I really do like commend Matthew McConaughey because there's part of me that's like in two hours going to go like, oh, him also pulling his hair back. Here, here comes mama. Like we'd be, <laughs> in. you know, right. and I'd be yeah. like yeah. just yeah. as much. And so I think you both just brought it. I'm mainly just going off. What are they coming off of? Yeah. Right now that I'm, 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 I'm all in on Brad. All right. That is top three, baby. I did it. I finally came into my own. (laughs) I came out the other side of butterfly, baby. Gentlemen, Tanner, you gave the gentleman sweep in the top. Congratulations. You you did. I got Jonah Hill in and that's it. (laughs) That's all that happened. We did it, man. I, Tanner, I'm proud of you. I feel Thank like you. we found a really good niche for you. Um, 90s <laughs> comedies. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, I could cast 90s comedies all fucking day. So, Let's do um, this. All right, so this is what we think Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything Julie Newmar would look like in 2010. Coming out at the bottom is Tommy will be played by Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Bobby Lee played by Amanda Seyfried. Or Seyfried? 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 Sure. Seafried, okay. I believe. Okay. Uh, Tanner's usually our, our go-to there for name pronunciations. Billy Bud will be played by Paul Dano. Bobby Ray will be played by Andrew Garfield. Clara coming in with royalty, Carol Burnett. Uh, Loretta will be played by Meryl Streep, given the old nice. switcheroo override there. And then Beatrice will be played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Sheriff Dullard will be played by Jonah Hill. Virgil will be played by Sam Rockwell. Carol Ann will be Kim Cattrall getting an upgrade. Uh, yeah, Chi will be played by John Cho. Noxima will be played by Will Smith. And Vita will be played by Brad Pitt. You're just, getting butts in seats, I'm telling dude, you. Actually, just say a John Cho, Will Smith, and Brad Pitt. Like, that's a poster right there. I yes. will see that movie at least 10 times in theaters. Like, yes. <laughs> I will. I will dump money into that movie. Oh, that's incredible. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's that's pretty amazing. All right. Okay. So, that's Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julian Mar- Newmar, in 2010. Again, we're on, on all major social media platforms. Go there, find us, engage with us. We'll have a lot of fun. And then if you're feeling uh, antsy, you can go over to patreon.com slash quantum recast and donate uh to the podcast and pour money into it for some to unlock some fun perks 
or you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash quantum recast where you can just donate money with uh, zero perks. Uh, not everyone loves perks. We get it. All right. That was Tu Wong Fu as casted in 2010. We hope you love it. We hope you enjoyed that. So what are we doing next week? What's the next episode? So next episode is actually going to be a guest episode. We're going to have a lot of fun bringing a friend of mine, uh, old co-worker, Mari Takahashi, on as a guest. And Mari wants to do the 1982 Tron (laughs) in the year 2022. Hmm. All the way forward. I've never seen Tron, so now I have to watch Tron. Same. Also I have seen some, yeah. yes, actually, but you know, <laughs> just this me. will be fun. I look forward to it. I look forward to it. So it'll be a All great right. time. So tune in next week as we or next episode as we take Tron out of 1982 and take it up to 2022 with Mari Takahashi. Say good night, Nick. Good night, Nick. Look at him, perverts. I'll tell you one thing: when the founding fathers wrote the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and what have you. Liberty and justice for all, they didn't Well, I can tell you one thing about them founding fathers of America. What's that? They sure had fabulous wigs. <laughs>